Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Leishio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Leishio. Hello, Flagler County. Rich, it's championship weekend in the NFL. It's district tournament time in soccer and soon-to-be basketball. It's time to put some titles on the board. Oh, yeah. It's championship season, and it's almost it's almost the saddest weekend in sports all year. Maybe that's next week when we have to wait a week for the Super Bowl, which I can't stand, by the way. I wish we would go back to the Super Bowl being the following week, uh, but, uh, you know, I hate waiting in a week, but we're going to have to deal with that. But this, you know, when we have our first Saturday here during this playoff run without football, I'm going to be very sad, Mike, uh, but of course we have the two huge games coming up on Sunday. We'll talk about the picks and and review last week's divisional round of playoffs in, in a little bit, but I did want to bring this up to you, Mike, uh, before we get into all the local stuff as well. You know what? Uh, I look back and we had to mention it, so I, don't, I want to mention it now. Um, January 9th of 2023 was the very first episode of of the Rich and Mike Sports Show, which means we have been on the air officially for a year. How about that? We've defied the odds. <laughs> I don't think anyone gave it that long. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. And then, of course, Mike, Mike, if you know, you listen to the show, you, li- you listen to the broadcast, all of our live uh, sporting events on the WNZF Sports Network. Uh, Mike is the numbers guy, and, and you had the exact number of episodes so far. This is episode 52. 52. If you're keeping score at home. <laughs> I'm not, words, but obviously in, you are. <laughs> in the words of Keith Olbermann, if you're scoring at home or even if you're alone. <laughs> and that, that's not sad. Uh, the holiday season has passed. Uh, but uh, yeah, fifty and the 50th episode was actually on the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the show. So um, I wanted to thank the audience for supporting us. You've supported us big time over this past year. And I think it's been during the football season, I think was a highlight for us, Mike, where we use this platform as kind of a, a, a special post game show for each uh, football game. And, and one of the most memorable, of course, was the live Oak trip where we did the show in the car on the way back home. But I thought that was really cool to use this platform as a post game for the football, for the football games. It was very exciting. It led to a lot of late nights turning into early mornings. I think one show, I think after the after the um, playoff game, I don't think we actually started recording till about three thirty in the morning. So it was a blast. It's always been, it's always fun when you can do it right after a game. You got it all in your mind. You kind of everything's still fresh in your head, and it was a lot of fun to have that in there because you know it's. It'd be hard to do a 30-minute post game after the game. Everything's still so raw. You have some time to collect your thoughts and really, you know, talk to the coaches and find out what happened and kind of break things down. And yeah, that was a heck of a lot of fun, especially the cross-state post-game show in Sewanee after the Swanee game when we recorded across six counties and we were everywhere. And I, I, we, I did shows from other counties. I did the show one day I recorded from the state track and field championships in the stands at UNF because the press box wasn't available. You know, so there's been some obstacles, but that's kind of what makes it fun too, is when you're doing a show that sometimes you have to 
overcome things, and that was no different. Yeah. In the, um, you know, with the um, post game shows, sometimes we recorded them on the ride home. Sometimes we recorded them at the studio. Sometimes we recorded them <laughs> yeah. remotely. So it was. It's been a lot of fun to do all that, and I look forward to doing more of it. I wanted to ask you. So you, I know it's a sad weekend next weekend. You're not going to be dialed into the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl. Oh, we've talked about this before. I'm just. Uh, I am not a Pro Bowl guy. I cannot stand these. Uh, all all-star games to me the only all-star game left that that's at least worth worth watching is the MLB all-star game because you, you can't fake baseball right if if the guy throws a 90 mile an hour fastball you're gonna try to hit it uh, so in essence the game you get in the all-star game for major league baseball is the game you see the entire season it's baseball where with the NFL and the NBA, I don't know what that is, but I can't call that a basketball game. I can't call that an NFL football game. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's almost like flag football out there. No contact, no blitzing. It's uh, it's tough to watch. And I, I will admit, though, um, with the NFL, they, they try to do a skills competition similar to um, the NBA. And, and obviously the NBA, they've taken a hit over the years with the dunk contests and you know, not being able to get stars involved there. And, and it does make it less interesting, uh, their whole uh, all-star weekend. But uh, I did last year with the NFL. They have some wacky stuff. I got into the dodgeball game. I don't know if you watched that, but that was pretty fun to watch. So uh, some of the stuff is fun, but the game itself, uh, I, I just, I don't, I can't watch it. I can't watch the, the Pro Bowl. I can't watch the NBA All-Star game. You know, maybe uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star game I'll get into for the first three innings or so, and depending if, if there are any Yankees in there. But uh, I'm just, I'm not an All-Star uh, game guy, a Pro Bowl guy. So uh, that makes me even more depressed when that's the only option I have. But, but it's not. I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but I don't know if you realize this, Mike. The New York Knicks are on fire. They've won five straight games, you know, nine of their last 11, and they just beat the defending NBA champions, not just beat them, embarrass them, destroy them, blow them out of the gym, knocked off the Denver Nuggets the other night in impressive fashion at the world's most famous arena. Uh, Man, oh, man. So, uh, all right, well, I, I might not have the NFL I'm watching those Knicks, and they are really getting it done right now. And as I mentioned, that was uh, that was an impressive win, 122-84 over the Nuggets, Mike. So this is that one year. In previous years, a little more depressing because uh, the Knicks always stink. But this year, I'm looking forward to uh, watching them every single night. So my brother always calls it the hope run. Seems like right around the time the, turner, the calendar turns, the Knicks make this kind of run where they go and get hot and then kind of fade off as the season goes on. So this is what he's calling the hope run. The other reason I bring up my brother Anthony is that he's very big into a lot of metrics, you know, the PER and true field goal percentage and those kind of things. And I always say that the only metric I look at is a little metric I call WPCT. And WPCT, very simple, is to figure out WPCT, take the number of games a player has played in, and how many games and divided by how many games they've won. Or actually it's the other way around. Divided the games they've won by the games they've played in. And that's WPCT, winning percentage. And my brother texts me after the Denver game and says, 
OG Ananobi might be the best WPCT player in the history of the NBA. <laughs> and it's true because look at their record before he got there and look at their record after they've gotten there. They've been a different team. You were out in front of this. You were all over this trade. I was lukewarm on it. I didn't think it was a bad trade, but I didn't think it was going to be anything that really shook the earth. And here we are so far, 11 out of 13 since he got here. You know, I'm willing to admit that I – underestimated the impact he was going to have on the team. Yeah, he certainly has had an impact. And you can't argue that the Knicks haven't beaten good teams during this run. You know, they knocked off the 76ers. They knocked off two of the top three teams in the West in the Minnesota Timberwolves and now the Denver Nuggets. And yeah, the Knicks, if you believe that Jalen, and by the way, he got snubbed. Uh, he should be a starter uh, for, for the Eastern Conference All-Stars, he is not. But uh, again, who cares about All-Star games anyway? As long as he's an All-Star, that's what matters. But, uh, you know, the if you believe that Jalen Brunson is a superstar, all right? And I know a lot of people don't believe guys at his height can be at the, in that upper echelon of, of superstars. But if as a Knicks fan, you believe Jalen Brunson is a superstar. And then you believe, and we've seen... Uh, you know, Randall, you can have your opinion on him, but if you believe, and he is an all-star, uh, that he is another star on this team, then you have the two stars. Now you start to build the team around them, and it was just not a balanced roster when you have all these guards that need, you know, R.J. Barrett needs the ball in his hand to, to be effective. Emmanuel quickly needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Jalen Brunson needs the ball in his hands. Julius Randall needs the ball in his hands. It just was not a balanced roster, and then you bring in who is the ultimate guy you needed, that guy that's going to D up the other team's superstar, whether he's a guard or a power forward. Ananobi can defend anybody on the floor while at the same time doing the dirty work, grabbing the rebounds, block shots. Oh, and by the way, he can knock it down from three and score. I think he dropped uh, scored 25. It was his biggest scoring output as a Nick against Denver. So he's the type of guy that can do anything on the floor you need, exactly what Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle needed. So now they can be the ones that control the offense and have the ball in their hands, and everybody else is happy because they're all – uh, happy in their role and 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 don't discount what Harkenstein has done uh in the absence of Robinson uh I think he's actually better but uh than Mitchell Robinson but uh we'll, we'll, and his contracts up this year so we'll see what happens there but you know Jericho Sims has has looked pretty good uh, filling in there so I uh I think the Knicks are you know just about as good as anybody and the Bucks the turmoil there how do you fire your head coach at 30 and 13 that was a a bit odd and then bring in Doc Rivers and uh, it's Nick fans. You love Doc Rivers, right? But well, I'm interested to hear what you think about that, Mike. The, his team's pretty much, they choke a lot in the postseason. So I don't know. I didn't get that whole uh, Milwaukee move, but as far as the Knicks are concerned, you got to be super pumped up what's happening here. And I, I, and I get that the hope run, we see that every year. That's a hundred percent right. But I do think this year it, it, it it looks a lot different, and they got some wins against high-quality teams, and they look dangerous, Mike. They certainly do, and I'm very excited for it because I was hoping that they would get in to – I wanted to see them get the sixth seed and you know maybe upset somebody in the first round. I'm starting to think that they might be a conference finals team. Maybe you can get one more piece. I've, I've heard Bruce Brown is somebody that they may target at some point before the trade deadline. 
but yeah, I think they're going in the right direction. You know, Tibbs has a group of players that have bought into him. And like you said before, OG is the perfect fit for that. As far as Adrian Griffin, absolutely bizarre that you would fire a coach who has the second best record in the league. If you're not happy with certain things and, you know, some of the things you heard were, you know, they're not very good defensively and that, you know, they, they're the way they're playing isn't sustainable for the playoffs, but you have 40 games to fix that. You're barely halfway through the season. You can fix those kind of things. It was just bizarre to me. And then Giannis saying, well, you know, it's tough to see that happen. You know, we just got to move forward. You're telling me he had nothing to do with that. Oh, come on. There's no way. After, after he, after he picked the guy to be there in the first place. Yep. Yep. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I guess you can go all the way back to that Giannis post game where we all got to be better. The coaches got to be better. The, the, the guys uh, washing the jerseys got to be better, the whole thing. So maybe that was the beginning of the end for Coach Griffin. But I, I just – it's unfair. It's its not right. 30 and 13, you guys – I don't know what kind of difference Doc is going to make. And uh, But but haven't we been there, done that? Uh, so anyway, that that's odd. But, yeah, you got – and I've heard that before, and I do agree. If the Knicks got another piece, everybody's looking at uh, upgrade at the two-guard position – but man, I gotta tell you, I mean, uh, Divincenzo—he makes it rain, man. He drops the three anywhere on the floor. He creates space on the floor. Uh, you know, uh, Julius and and, and Brunson—they uh, they drive to the basket. He's a guy that uh, really opens it up for them. So, uh, you know, and sometimes you don't need a superstar at every position, or, or at least an upgrade. I, I just—I think Divincenzo has been a great signing for the Knicks and uh you know uh, upgrade yes but at the same time he's a pretty good player Mike no I'm certainly not wanting to push him out but I guess I guess it's me as a Knicks fan you know you you can never be satisfied I guess it's 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 you always want more yeah and as far as one more note on Doc Rivers being hired in Milwaukee I saw an interesting take on that Somebody says, so the night after Joel Embiid scores 70, the Bucks decide to hire the guy who's been holding Joel Embiid back all these years. <laughs> you know, so that one might backfire yeah. on Giannis. How about Carl Anthony Towns scoring 62 and a loss? And his coach was not happy at all. He thought it was he, I, I, he thought it was cartoonish almost. He didn't seem happy at all about him scoring 62 points having 10 three-pointers, which speaking of three-pointers and filling up the bucket, this will be a great segue. We had a three-point record broken by Matanzas on Thursday night. They went down to Crescent City after our game, and we'll talk about that game in just a second. Raya Sear Jefferson, he had set the school record with eight threes earlier in the year. We got to see that on the Flatler Radio YouTube channel and the WNZF Facebook page. He had nine on Thursday night, Rich. He had 33 wow. points and a win against Crescent City. And it's a good time to talk about Matanzas. We were there Wednesday night. They were playing an under an undermanned Menendez team who, aside from a bad third quarter, really actually controlled the game. They outscored Matanzas in the other three quarters despite playing with just seven players. But we saw some good things from Matanzas. We saw some things to build on. You know, 
What do you think of the Pirates, you know, having injuries and having to adjust these last couple games? You were there Friday night. You know, comparing Friday to Wednesday, what did you see? Well, you saw a team that fought Friday night and and Saturday night as well last week against Oak Leaf, uh, you know, and they scored 58 points over the weekend there. And, and you see a team that, that really fought hard without Junior Robinson and without Micah McGuire, and, and they were undermanned. But that's one thing you see, and I asked a coach about that uh, after the Oak Leaf game. I said, you know, what does that tell you about the evolution of this team where earlier this se- this season, when it seemed when you lost, you lost by big margins. And, and now all of a sudden, even in the games you lose and you're undermanned, uh, you you play tight games and he was really more about I'm still upset about losing this game and, and you know that's coach talking and, and I appreciate that the coaches want to win but for me as a fan as a spectator it's really great to see this team fighting under whatever the circumstances are and, and compete and that's what we're seeing here at the end of the year with the Matanzas Pirates so uh, they did a great job over the weekend being in those games. And you mentioned Menendez. You know, the Pirates did get off to a slow start in that game, but it was senior night. Another great job by Coach Robinson starting all of his seniors. So I think that disrupted a bit of their early game flow. Uh, But to their credit, they were able to regain it uh, in the game and have that that big third quarter. So they start all the seniors, and uh, but still you get big games from from Ryasir Jefferson, Tariq Shakir, you know, had a big first half uh, as well in that game. And, and you mentioned it in your sports report yesterday morning, became the all-time leader in assists for the school. So uh, very impressive for the Pirates you know, dealing with these injuries down the stretch, uh, playing tight games and putting themselves in a position now at 10 and 12 on the season to finish the year uh, at 500. Uh, that would be a huge accomplishment uh, if, if they're able to do that especially when you consider, I remember them starting the year two and seven around there. So uh, it would be a huge accomplishment if they do that. Pirates are playing great basketball right now. They're, they're a fun unit to watch. They can knock down the three. They got two big guys in, in, in Davis and, and Robinson Jr. that just, just tough for any team to deal with that. So um, very impressed with the way the Pirates are ending this season, Mike. And they've got four guys who can get buckets when they need to, but they are also very good defenders. You know, Rock Jefferson and Tariq Shakir can go and get steals. Obviously we know about Robinson and Davis's abilities to get rebounds and blocks, but they move the ball well. And you see that happen even in the Menendez game was a perfect example of in the first half, you know, technically Tariq Shakir is the point guard and Rock Jefferson is the two guard, but Rock Jefferson was the one feeding Shakir the ball in the second quarter and Shakir had 17 at halftime. And then, you know, Jefferson got hot in the third quarter. And in the second half, we saw Shakir more as a distributor. Even I talked to Henry Robinson senior about the outlet passes that Alex Davis makes and how good a passer he's become. They have guys who can score and they have stars and Jefferson and Robinson, who are your go-to guys, but they're very unselfish with the ball and they move the ball around and they try to find, Good shots, and I think that's something we've seen develop over the course of the year as they've gotten more familiar and more comfortable with each other. They that the shot selection has improved as well. Yeah, hundred. And, and and as you look forward here, uh, you on the way out, but at the same time, you have those two guys in in, in Alex Davis, who's a sophomore, 
and Henry Robinson Jr., who's who's a freshman, they've got some years here to to build around these guys and really, really uh, do some damage here locally and, and be a, a team that contends for great things for years to come. The way they're building up that franchise, that that uh, that program uh, at Matanzas is very exciting, and it's exciting looking at what's possible here going forward the next couple of years, Mike. They're going to make it difficult. You know, they've got they've got Ladarian Baker who comes back and forth between varsity and JV, which makes sense because he's a big and they have plenty of height. But next year, you're going to have Ryerseer Jefferson back. You're going to have Alex Davis back. You're going to have Henry Robinson Jr. back. They've got some kids on the JV who have shown some promise. Um, and Travis Boone Jr., Chance Scott has shown some promise on the JV. So they're going to be a team that's going to be something to be reckoned with. And then they, like, we talk about the size. Ladarian Baker, let's say he doesn't grow next year. You're going to be up front with 6'9", Davis. And this is assuming that none of these kids grow because they're high schoolers. They could still grow. As of right now, their projected starters next year are going to be 6'9", 6'7", 6'5", in the front court. And I know a lot of smaller college teams that would take a front court like that, let alone a high school team. And so the future is bright for Matanzas. They're not looking to next year, though. They've got three tough games to finish. They've got a very good 15-win Deltona team. They've got a road trip to Windermere Prep down in Orlando and then Lake Howell to end the season. And then after next week, we go into districts, and they're going to want to make a splash. They believe that they have, despite the record and despite some of the obstacles that have come up and some of the adversity they face they believe they're a playoff team no we'll see what happens there and of course our final regular season game uh at the anderson gym the fpc bulldogs father lopez full circle we started with fpc we end the season with fpc and they as well have a shot here the final week to to finish at 500 or above 500 9 and then 11 on the season obviously a huge improvement from what we saw last year with them. Coach Talley has done a fantastic job. How about a little preview of that Father Lopez game, Mike? So we got to see Father Lopez earlier in the year. They're a well-balanced team that relies heavily on a couple of their guards to get buckets. It's a matchup that seems to favor FPC. FPC just lost to them by two the first time they met. It was a little bit more one-sided for Father Lopez, but in FPC's defense, when they played Father Lopez, it was the third day of a back-to-back-to-back. So I don't put much stock in a 15-point loss when they lost the first game by two. I think it'll be an evenly matched game. And FPC, they have a little bit of a tough finish, too. They play a very good Palaka team. They play a, a very good Father Lopez team. And then Atlantic, we've seen Atlantic, too. And Atlantic, they beat Atlantic, and that one will be on the road next Friday. They beat Atlantic, but Atlantic is another team that can throw size at them. So it's going to be interesting to see what FPC does this week. I like their chances against Father Lopez. I think they've got to keep Father Lopez's scores from really too, doing too much because I think if Father Lopez can turn this into a track meet, that that would favor them over FPC on Monday. But it, it will be a good game. They match up well, like I said. Um, they've just got to really play their game and keep Trey Hagan and Jonathan Powell. I think Jacob Lohman was the guy who had a big game against FBC the first time. They're going to have to keep those scores in check. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and uh, Coach Talley, he has uh, the Bulldogs playing like a team, a, 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 a great unit. And, you know, they handle size pretty well. You know, we saw in that Matanzas game, guys like Anthony Hampton and Kamarian Lang and, uh, you know, Corinthians Watson and you know, all these guys really collapse on the big guys when they got the ball and make it difficult on them. So uh, they may lack in size, but they don't lack in heart and they really make it difficult for the big guys. So uh, that's going to be a fun game Monday night. Father Lopez, they can really knock it down from three. So uh, we'll have that game on the WNZF Sports Network, Flagler Radio YouTube channel and as well on the WNZF Facebook page, and tip-off will be at 7 o'clock Monday night. All right, Mike, with the NFL Playoffs Conference Championship Sunday, so far, all right, so far through the playoffs, we've been doing this fun little competition with the picks. I fun, am, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I am 6-4. and four. You're 4-6, four and six, so you are three games back with uh, no excuse my math is fantastic you are two games back with three to play so you're still in it yes i'm still technically in it that is true and it was and i gotta say this mike i gotta say this uh i, I i'm getting on everybody about this you went with the bills in that game against the chiefs and from for me you know i don't know how you pick against patrick mahomes now six straight AFC championship games by far the best player in football, best quarterback um, to me. I just can't put another quarterback in the league right now on his level. So it's a, it's almost a Jordan situation. So I would never bet against that guy. So everybody who went with the, with buff, especially Buffalo who chokes every chance they can get. And this time wide, right again, which is, you know, comical in a sense. I know it's heartbreaking for Bill's fans out there, but um, you know, I am a jet fan, so I wasn't crying for you, but uh, you know, wide, right again, and, uh, you know, there's just no way I would bet against Patrick Mahomes, Mike, but you went with Buffalo. It's like the old Krusty the Clown line from The Simpsons. How'd you bet against the Globetrotters? I thought the generals were due. <laughs> so, yeah. I just, oh, man. It's baffling. You know, and Buffalo had every chance to win that game. Stefan Diggs with a drop on a oh, deep ball. Yeah. Josh Allen missing wide open receivers in the end zone mm. late in the game. And then Tyler Bass. Yeesh. <laughs> Back in my old days, I did. Um, I used to be a mortgage processor for KeyBank, which is based up in Cleveland, and I was assigned to a loan officer in Buffalo. And I did whose address was on Norwood Avenue in Buffalo. <laughs> I said, "Is there an 11 Norwood Avenue?" They said, "Yeah, but nobody goes down there." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I get it. It doesn't get more heartbreaking than that that is a a rough one right there to lose wide right again and you know after the the rivalry that's been developed here and you kept saying for years and years well we got to get them uh to orchard park we got to we got to get the chiefs on the road and they did it this year they had the the game in their building and they still lost so that leads us to this my two games this weekend we'll start right there baltimore is favored by four and by uh by four uh, against Kansas City, Baltimore at home. And I'll say, you know, every time we've seen Baltimore play against uh, these big teams, we saw them smoke San Francisco earlier in the year. They beat the Lions. You know, we saw what they did against Houston last week. Baltimore right now looks like the best team in football. Baltimore minus four. Mike, who you got? Well, I'm not going to – I'm not trying to steal a game here, but I do think 
I'm going to take the Chiefs plus four in this one. Chiefs have been very good, um, very good on the road this year. They didn't seem phased by Buffalo. I know Baltimore is a tough place to play, and Lamar Jackson's playing some of the best ball in his career. But I like the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, I and I can't go against my philosophy. There's no way I would ever bet against Patrick Mahomes. I know how great Baltimore has been. Lamar Jackson has been. Uh, but you know they have had disappointments in the past, and this is just you know uh, Patrick Mahomes plenty of experience uh, playing in this game. I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I will not bet against Patrick Mahomes. San Francisco minus seven and a half against the Lions, Mike. I can't believe I'm saying this. Give me the brand new Lions. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to regret that. I know. No, but. I I can't. Uh, you know what I. I'm not giving you a chance to win here, Mike, because I got to go with the Lions, too. I do not believe in San Francisco. And Brock Purdy, basically a second-year starter, all right, uh, playing in a game. Let's uh, You got to give Jared Goff some credit here. Back in 2018, this is a guy who played in this game and won it. You know, the Lions are ready. They have the most dynamic offense left in the and there's no doubt in my mind that even if they lose this game, which I don't think they will, I think the Lions are going to – I don't and, and Debo Samuel, of course, is a question mark here. So we don't know if he's going to go. And we saw how that affected them last week. I was extremely disappointed that the 49ers did not blow out Green Bay. There's been a lot of red flags here late in the season. So I don't believe in San Francisco. I think the Lions are a better team. And I think they're going to get out there and get it done Sunday. Enjoy Conference Championship Sunday. Make sure you tune into the WNZF Sports Network Monday night at 7 o'clock for FPC Father Lopez. Flagler County. Have a fantastic weekend. That's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show.